Welcome to the Elevate EV podcast, where I bring you info and tidbits about electric vehicles in Australia and beyond. I'm your host, Bridie Schmidt, and I'm thrilled to have you here with me today. In this episode, I'm joined by Jen Dudley-Nicholson, AAP Future Transport Reporter. Together, Jen and I chat about the latest happenings in EV news, including the fact that there are now not just two EVs in Australia priced under $40,000, but three. Competition is heating up and the EV landscape is changing quickly. We also touch upon the latest EV sales figures, as EVs accounted for a record-breaking 8.8% of all new vehicle sales in June, a significant jump from the previous year. We also cover the fact that the Tesla Model Y outsold the Ford Ranger, and we have a chat about state EV rebates and how that's going, and about the need for a strong fuel efficiency standard, and the financial and health benefits that would come out of that for all Australians. Last but not least, we find out who exactly does give a crap about emissions. Now, before we start, I should fess up and say I have made a cardinal sin in starting a podcast, and that is to overpromise and risk under-delivering. I'm heading off overseas next week, so while I very much want to deliver a new podcast each week in that period, the plain, simple truth is that may not happen. Hope you don't hold it against me, but do keep your fingers crossed for me and an eye out for new uploads over the coming weeks. And lastly... The video for last week's BYD Dolphin launch is now on YouTube. Search for elevate.ev.podcast. Hope you enjoy it. Please like and subscribe if you do, but I make no promises about frequency of videos at this point. Okay, so on to this week's pod. So let's get started. I've got Jen Dudley-Nicholson here with me. She is AAP Future Transport Reporter and a hard quiz winner, I hear. It's all true. Yes. Hi, Jen. Hello. <laughs> so good to be here. Thank you for coming on. Um, so when when did you go on Hard Quiz? Oh, gosh. It was it was just before the pandemic. So it was like the November, I think, of, of 2019. Um, although it's fresh in my memory because I keep coming up in repeats. And the brilliant thing is I win every single time. It's brilliant. That's so good. I've got to go and dig it out now and find it. It was I was I was very nervous, but I'm glad that they cut out all the bad bits where Tom just yelled at me. So that was nice. He can be pretty cutting, can't he? He can. And the weird thing is, like in the audience or in the room, he actually really invites you to insult him. So it, it's a different experience to what I'm used to. Yeah, <laughs> he takes it very well. <laughs> So I just thought, so we'll go through some of the stuff that's been going on this week. But first of all, I just wanted to ask you what you thought about the BYD Dolphin launch. It was a lot. They um they, they really tried to put on a show. And I, I know, I mean, I appreciate that it was at SeaWorld because there was the dolphin element of it. But yeah, there was there was a lot of smoke, not so many mirrors. There was a lot of, you know, screens and, and, and carnival, a carnival-like atmosphere. And so... I think they're really trying to make a decent push into Australia, which I'm all for. And I love that, you know, there's a competition among the, the cheaper electric vehicles now and we're seeing some action at that end of the market. So for them to come out and make a big show of it, even though it's only $100 under the other low-priced EV, I, I love it. I'm here for the battle. Yeah, look, I think it was certainly very different to some of the car launches that I've been to over the years. And I've only been to EV launches, I will add. But, um, you know, I went to the new MG ZS EV in 2022 and it was that sort of big event, but it wasn't as big. BYD invited, obviously they'd put the invite out to BYD owners and BYD owners came on last because there were heaps of auto trees there in the car park. So 
yeah, I think that it is really a different approach that they're taking, isn't it? It is. And obviously they've got a passionate kind of ownership base as well, because there were, as you say, so many people showed up and brought their families along and it was good to see. And then to, to see the new vehicle as well, which as I understand it, they'd only just managed to get into the country. Yes, because they were right-hand drive ones, weren't they? They'd only had the left-hand drive one in the Sydney showroom up until then. So yeah, definitely really nice to see and can't wait to take a test drive in one. Yes, please. Um, so why don't we get on to some of the news that's out there this week? Because I've seen you've done quite a few reports on what's happening in the EV world. And I also saw, I mean, obviously there's the Tesla news, which is that they are on target to produce 2 million EVs a year based on the last six months worth of production and sort of taking their trailing 12-month increases into account. Um, But I saw another thing which I thought was a really interesting figure, which is that um, this is from Wurwa on Twitter, who is uh, sort of a Tesla watcher and does videos of Tesla's Shanghai Gigafactory and that sort of thing. And he reposted saying that um, the 20 millionth new energy vehicle has just been made in China, which is incredible, isn't it? Like that's numbers we can't even imagine here in Australia. Well, I think we're we're at least a decade away from that, but it would be amazing to see. It's interesting to me the approach that China has taken and that the – the country has really embraced it. I know that there were some some laws and some um, sort of goals that they had in mind, but I think in, in China they've actually kind of overshot those by a, a decent distance as well. And so when that's happening in your region, I, I guess it's a good sign as well. Well, that's right. And, you know, as we've seen in the recent EV sales in Australia, which we'll get onto in a sec, it's uh, EVs that are made in China, whether or not they're owned by Chinese companies or, or by Tesla that are now coming here on mass. So why don't we just get on to those figures because they came out today from VFAX and I saw that you tweeted about the latest EV sales figures. What would your takeaways from that? Well, it was funny. So reading this this release that came out about it from the Federal Chamber of Automotive Industries, at first I got super excited and I may have exclaimed a little bit, maybe there was a swear word involved, because I saw that figure that they put out around the 16% um, percent mark and I thought, oh my gosh, we've reached 16% all of a sudden. What, the, what on earth has happened? But no, um, so it's still a record. Electric vehicle sales represented 8.8% of all new vehicle sales, which is still the highest number that we've seen in Australia. And when you compare that to last year, that's phenomenal because I was having a look back um, and it was 1.1% at the same time last year that electric vehicles made up of of all new vehicle sales. So from more than 1,000 to more than 10,000 in a year is is actually quite decent progress and and more than I expected. but yeah, the, the 16% was for all battery, hybrid and hybrid electric vehicles. So we're not quite there yet, but at least we're, we're making gains on that. Yeah, that's right. And we've got to also remember that Tesla only just started reporting its local sales, sales figures. I think that was in March last year. So uh-huh. if you look at the sales figures over the last decade, um, and I do have a chart around, which I might try and add a link to in the show notes, but... Um, you'll see that the the adoption curve is really starting to take off. So my biggest takeaway was also that the Tesla Model Y outsold the Ford Ranger, which 
I just think is incredible because um, I haven't actually looked at how far back it goes, but basically Ford Ranger and the Toyota Hilux are the biggest sellers in Australia, you know, month in, month out for quite a while. And for the Tesla Model Y to outsell the Ford Ranger is pretty significant. So um, some of the numbers are the Tesla Model Y, there were 5,560 sold. There were the BYD at 03 actually outsold the Tesla Model 3. There were 1,532 of those in June. 1,458 Tesla Model 3s in June. And then the other ones that sort of followed behind, but quite far behind, were the MG ZSEV with 387 sales, Polestar 2 with 251 sales, XC40, 156 sales, EV6, 154 sales, and the Volvo C40, 151 sales. So it means that EV sales have reached 8.8% in June overall and 7.4% for the first half of 2023. So they're quite impressive numbers and um, now that we've got these other two little electric hatchbacks on the market for under $40,000 I can only imagine what that's going to be like once they start getting delivered. Yeah well those those aren't included and today we've also seen the Aura actually come down in price to under that $40,000 mark and so we're going to have um, basically a, a market where there's there's three vehicles that people can choose from electric vehicles under the $40,000 mark which I think is a huge deal. A lot of people don't buy new cars. They, they buy secondhand cars. If they do buy new cars, they don't necessarily spend in the range of a Tesla Model Y, which is amazing that it's it's so far, so high up the rankings. Um, and so it, it's going to be interesting to see what that extra choice actually does for the market and, and does for sales of EVs. Yeah, that's right. And that's, so that's um, a $5,000 drop. Four thousand, yeah. It's- Four thousand dollars from the from the aura has been removed, and that they're saying it's because of the um the reduced price of batteries. But you've got to think that maybe it's also the increased competition that we're suddenly seeing, um, because they all kind of places it around that same range. I think it's about eleven hundred dollars off the cheapest vehicle, which is the BYD Dolphin. It's nice to have a bit of choice. I'm here for it. It definitely is. And also, I would hazard a guess that um, there's sort of some ideas around getting under the hybrid pricing as well, because we've really got um, EVs that are, you know, matching the pricing of um, hybrids and um, some just normal ice hatchbacks, um, if you're going to go for the top spec ones. So, yeah, can't wait to see what happens with all of that over the next few months. The Dolphin's not going to make it here until September, October. Well, the Aura is being delivered currently. So I think they've just, there was a delay on them, but they're just making them into showrooms. And so they're starting to get, they say, better supply in. So we're seeing that now. So they've got, even though they don't have the price advantage, they've got the time advantage. Um, I think I've seen that the delivery period for the BYD is probably around the October mark. And I suspect it's going to be very similar, if not the same, for MG. And so it's going to be a really busy close to the year. It really is, isn't it? And so on that topic of, because of course, you know, the BYD Dolphin was launched in Queensland and Sarah and I talked about this a bit last week. The fact that Queensland has um, got a $6,000 rebate and I've seen you've you've done a bit of reporting on the state rebates that are around. Have you seen what's happening, sort of where the uptake is highest or how many people are taking advantage of those rebates? 
Yeah, well, it's interesting. So the Queensland one was kind of rushed out, essentially. They had it in the planning, but it, it it's only just now, it's now it's ticked over to July. There's only the application forms that have actually come out for it now. And so we're, we're not going to know exactly what the take-up is of that. And also it's retrospective as well. So people will be able to, if they, they qualify for it, will be able to claim that for for previous purchases that they've made. I think it was it was really interesting to see the reaction to the close of the Victorian rebate, the subsidy that they had, and just how many people took them up in right before the closing. It was like grabbing Indiana Jones's hat just on the way out the door. Like they had a countdown on their website and you can actually watch it and it was just more than 60 a day on average were actually disappearing. And so it's going to be interesting to see what the yeah the numbers will will be like and and what effect that will have on the market whether people I suppose rushed into an electric vehicle purchase before the subsidy ended in Victoria or maybe that they'll sort of be more likely to take them up in Queensland now I'm going to be interested to see what sort of effect that has on the market we don't get state by state EV sales figures but it would be interesting to see which vehicles have been taken up in that sort of rush to the finish line in Victoria because I know BYD was sort of uh, flushing a lot of inventory about saying we've got all these auto threes you can come and get them um at, or whether people have jumped on the Tesla bandwagon or gone for something else also it, it's worthwhile mentioning that some of those subsidies only sort of yeah they only qualify under a certain point as well so with the Queensland one I think that they actually raised the figure so that you can afford a Tesla and, and still get the six thousand dollars off um, but for some of them, they were set quite low, so they were restrictive anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was it was interesting to see the BYD come out and say, look, we've got all these cars, let's move them now. It was very advantageous, I would say. <laughs> yeah, very opportunistic. And look, it's funny with Queensland because it's like they went from, no, you have to get something that's worth under $58,000 to, no, we're going to match the other states, but also we're going to double the rebates. <laughs> it's from one extreme to the other. It's so interesting, but yeah, let let them fight amongst themselves. Like, sure, give me more money. Let's go. Yeah, that's right. And look, you know, the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about, which is the fact that obviously we had the EV strategy, national EV strategy come out a couple of months ago now, and there was no mention of a national level rebate, but it was very clear that what is needed is a fuel efficiency standard. Um, and so the Electric Vehicle Council has brought out a report hasn't it this week about what having a proper fuel efficiency standard could bring Australians and just before we get into that I'll just maybe briefly explain to people who might not be aware but we in Australia are one of only a very few developed countries I think most people quote Russia as the only other developed country that doesn't have legislated fuel efficiency standards so for example in Europe where there are legislated fuel efficiency standards car makers have to sell enough EVs to bring their average fleet emissions across everything that they sell under a certain amount. We don't have that in Australia and that means that car makers can basically sell anything they like and they do. So what what did the report say this morning from the Electric Vehicle Council? Yeah, so it was um, commissioned by the Electric Vehicle Council and the Climate Council as well. So they got they got a third party company to put it together, and and basically it was a really interesting analysis. It found that essentially bringing in a fuel efficiency standard, and by the way, we need a much better name for that because it sounds so dry, but it's actually it, it could actually provide some really helpful benefits. It would essentially decrease the price of electric vehicles by two point eight percent every year, 
it would marginally increase the price of, of fuel vehicles because they would need to get more fuel efficient, which I thought was interesting as well. Um, and it found that if you buy an electric vehicle and, and these these um, this policy is in place, then you could essentially save $10,000 over the life of the vehicle or essentially about $1,200 every year. So it found that with this policy in place, there would be more, more electric vehicles in the country, they would be cheaper, and you'd be able to essentially make your savings on those faster. Because I think a lot of people recognize that electric vehicles do make financial sense in the long run, but there's just that, that sort of cost to get over at the start. And so a fuel efficiency standard kind of chips away at that. It was interesting too, because they, they ran four different models as part of the research. And all of those models were on the basis that by 2035, it'll be 100% electric vehicles that are being sold as new cars, because those are the, the conditions that they set overseas as well. And that's probably what most of the car makers will actually be making by that point, simply because of, of all the different laws in place and the market demand that'll be out there for them. Yeah, that's right. And it's interesting that um, the report found that it'll drive the sticker price of electric vehicles down. And I wonder how much of that is to do with there actually finally being a lot of competition on the market. I mean, we've just, like you said today, the aura has now come down in price $4,000. Is that what you think is um, going to drive that reduction in price or are there other factors? Yeah, definitely. I think that, I mean, we've already kind of seen that. We've seen now that we've got we've got Aura and we've got you know MG and BYD you're fighting it out amongst themselves. We're seeing pressure put on prices and 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 companies encouraged to make sure that they take hold of the that that entry level market. Um, I think when you see some of the legacy vehicle manufacturers as well play into that market and and bring some of their huge manufacturing power to that and actually bring the vehicles to Australia, which is kind of important for us. I think that you will see competition and, and prices drop as a result. And so, I mean, essentially what you, how you described it is perfect. Um, I think that it just needs to be said that the fuel efficiency standard is essentially designed to bring more vehicles, electric vehicles, low emission vehicles into the country in the first place. Because um, another thing the report found was that there are so many more electric vehicle models that are available in Europe where there is a, a strong fuel efficiency standard, as opposed to Australia where we just we haven't had one. We haven't had the policy settings in place. We've had, um, yeah, there was a comment made, I believe, about the weekend and, and that being cancelled at one point that gets rolled out um, a lot because the settings just, just weren't there to encourage this in the first place. And in addition to that, we've had a lot of people saying negative things about electric vehicles that aren't necessarily true, which is really frustrating. Yeah, there's a lot of myth busting out there to do. There really was a lot of um, damage done by the coalition government before it was outed, like you said, implying that the weekend will be ruined. And that I think, and this is the interesting thing about talking about fuel efficiency standards is people do go, well, hang on, we were just talking about electric vehicles. Why are we now talking about fuel efficiency? And what people might not realise is that having an effective and ambitious fuel efficiency standard is good to everybody, whether or not your lifestyle means that you can switch to electric or whether you are someone that might stay with um, another transport technology for a while. The outcome of a better fuel efficiency standard will be better vehicles for everyone and it will mean that you can walk down the street and you're not breathing in huge amounts of sulphur 
you know, and all of these other, so we talk about carbon emissions, but there's actually a load of other emissions that come from internal combustion engines and particularly the ones that run on Euro 5. In Europe, um, all combustion engine cars have to be uh, Euro 6 now and actually they're about to move to Euro 7. We're still selling cars here that are Euro 5. So, you know, the, the emissions from them are, are far less healthy for us to breathe in as well. I was I was very fortunate. I got to visit uh, London um, about a month ago and the difference in their ultra low emission zones as opposed to regular cities that you walk through is phenomenal. Like no, I've, I've been to London you know, years and years ago and I remember blowing my nose and soot coming out essentially because it was just so, so many emissions around it. The air was so filthy. But walking around it now where there's so many electric vehicles, some of which I've, I've not actually seen in Australia, even their double-decker fancy red buses, a lot of those are electric or hydrogen. It makes a real difference to walk around in a place like that and, and also to hear less vehicle noise. It's actually really pleasant. Um, but the, the comment you made as, as well around sort of the fuel efficiency of standard vehicles, I think it gets underestimated and lost a little bit too. If you can be saving money on petrol because your car is just better at its job, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's right. Actually, you're talking about London reminding me because I'm actually going to be in Manchester in the not too distant future. And um, there was a story that came out from um, Clean Cities who did a report on how clean a whole bunch of European cities are. And Manchester came in rock bottom. So they looked at access to shared bikes and e-scooters, shared electric cars, zero emissions buses and EV charging infrastructure. So this isn't even really looking at private EV penetration. But um, yeah, poor old Greater Manchester got a score of 8% out of 100 um, because they're just, they're just so far behind. So I'm really interested when I get there um, because I hope to be jumping into an EV while I'm there and having a look around to um, see what it's like. So countries that came in top were Copenhagen in Denmark, Oslo in Norway, Paris in France, which um, I'll be really interested to see soon too, and Amsterdam in Netherlands were the top four. Big bicycle countries too. Yeah, that's right. Well, Paris gets 100% for shared bikes and e-scooters, which is cool. Copenhagen and Amsterdam get 100% for shared electric cars and they also get 100% for EV infrastructure as does Amsterdam. So these are countries that are really um, got the first foot forward already on that clean transport transition. So there was something else that came out today, a company called Evos in Brisbane. Did you? I think you did a piece on that. I did indeed. So it was a company that was set up by three former um, Tritium executives um, and they've been around for a little while. They've made um, $5 million in their or raised $5 million in their second round of investments. Um, and essentially they're producing in within Australia um, charges. Uh, they're going to release one for the home and, and for some consumer use essentially later this month and release that in, in Brisbane. And they've also been really focused on fleets and, and trying to make sure that there's there's infrastructure in place so that when businesses actually invest in this stuff, that they can charge them up as and when they need. They can do it during you know periods where the solar is charging the vehicles if possible and, and also off-peak charging and stuff like that. And they were saying that they found that there was a real need for this and 
they created the company during COVID times when it was difficult to get some of this equipment from overseas. So it's nice to see that they're actually building it in Australia. And as a Brisbaneite, it's kind of crazy to see that both Trinium and Evos are, are both coming out of Brisbane, um, which is not necessarily known for it being the tech capital of Australia, but I'll take it. Yeah, that fleet charging is going to be definitely something that there will be more demand for, I imagine, as we start getting these EVs that cost less too, because for fleets, it's really just about what makes sense from a business perspective, you know, money talks. So if you can have a car that costs the same as an internal combustion engine without the maintenance costs and you can charge it from the sun, potentially, if you've got a factory that you've got lots of solar panels on it, just starts to really become a no-brainer, doesn't it? Absolutely, especially because they can spread the cost over their budgets as well. And so it, it becomes much easier to justify particularly when you're making that saving. I mean, as that that research report found, you know, $10,000 over the life of a vehicle makes perfect sense. So I think we're um, coming to the end of our chat today, but I saw a really cool little story. This comes from Fleet Evening News. And for anyone who jumped on the Who Gives a Crap train during COVID will know, um, it's so perfect to get your loo paper delivered, isn't it? Well, now, Who Gives a Crap is going to trial two electric vans to deliver their 100% recycled paper or bamboo loo paper in Melbourne and Sydney. They're going to be known as the Mr. Wipey vans. The two vans that they're getting are LDVE Deliver 9s. So, yeah, there you go. 200 kilometres range on a full charge. They can carry up to 1.4 tonnes. Um, they can... DC fast charge from 0 to 100% in just over an hour. And people kind of think this is a thing about vans in the city is people think, oh, it hasn't got a very long range. But actually, delivery vans don't really drive that far, do they? And then they've got time to recharge over lunchtime. It's a perfect use case because also by making these medium trucks and delivery trucks, essentially, by making them electric, you're actually doing more than just taking one car off the road, you're taking the equivalent of several vehicles essentially off the road. And so that's where we need to see a lot of this stuff happen because it makes such an impact in terms of emissions. And who gives a crap um, is is the perfect company to kind of demonstrate this. I'm not really sure about the name, Mr. Wipey. I don't know how I feel about that. I reckon if anyone out there who is listening sees one of the who gives a crap brands, make sure you give him a wave and say hi from us. So I reckon that's probably it for us today. Thank you, Jen, for coming on. It's really, really, really great to have you here. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for the Elevate EV podcast. Before you go, if you found this episode informative and engaging, don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast to stay updated on future episodes. And please don't hesitate to reach out to let me know what you liked or if you have any questions and I'll do my best to answer them on the next episode. You can find my contact details in the show notes. Thanks again and hope you tune in again next time.